Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Compass live stream today on what even? What even, Terry? What's today? Sunday. I mean, it's yeah, it's Sunday. The date. Welcome to Sunday, May third week. Yeah, it's the day after my daughter's birthday. This is week fill in the blank of lockdown. Gosh, time just doesn't mean anything anymore. So whatever, whenever you're watching this, welcome. I'm so glad that you joined us today. You may be like me. You may be struggling with a little bit of cabin fever. And, uh, and one of the outcomes of cabin fever is that most of us are really in these closely confined spaces with other people. Um, maybe you're with, and most of us, some of us aren't, but, but maybe it's with just your, your spouse. Maybe it's your spouse and your kids. Maybe it's some other family members. Uh, but you are probably in a confined space with the same people all day, every day. And when you are closely confined like that, you learn things about people that maybe you didn't know. So there's some things that my wife, Terry, is learning about me. Um, one of those things is that I type really hard. Uh, so she's like, oh, they're so loud. And I do. Like, I'm an angry typer. Uh, I just... And so I didn't really know that about myself. But it's one of those little things that when you're trapped at home with someone might get a little on your nerves. Uh, another thing is that apparently when I am doing video chats of any kind, I talk super loud. Oh. We, were, <laughs> we were having a, a, a team meeting and she's sitting next to me and we're both on video chat and she kept doing this. <laughs> like making this just disgusted, angry look. And she was like leaning like this. As far away from me as she could, because apparently I talk super loud. I'm probably talking super loud right now on this live stream, which is why she's in the other room. So we're learning things about other people that maybe we weren't aware of. And maybe they're little things that are getting on our nerves a little bit. I've learned a couple things about myself. Um, And one of the things that I've learned about myself is that eating noises are 50 times louder in my ear than they are in the ear of a normal human being. I cannot abide eating noises. I No joke. Yesterday, Terry sliced up some apples and was sitting in the other room and I kept hearing these crazy loud chomping noises and I was like, oh my gosh, keep your cool. And then finally I turned around and she was feeding apples to the dogs who were chomping them super loud. But I was like, human, dog, keep your eating noises away from me. Which is why on the check-in show this week on Thursday, uh, we did a little quarantine tutorial on how to ask people to chew with their mouth closed. And I just thought it was worth sharing with you because you might have a tough time asking someone else to chew with their mouth closed. And if so, you can just send them this video. So for today's tutorial, I'm gonna show you how to ask somebody nicely to stop chewing with their mouth open. Thank you. Now you laugh, but these close quarters conflicts are taking a toll on people. Um, And they're taking a toll on families, taking a toll on marriages. Um, China is just loosening up some of their quarantine procedures and they are seeing an impact on marriages. Their divorce rate is skyrocketing in China as people are getting out of lockdown. Check this out. China's divorce spike is a warning to rest of locked down world. Reading headlines like this, you can't help but get that pit in your stomach. 
with couples spending record time with each other. Dr. So Bill Doherty says it's no surprise so yes, things might get irritating. Most people like to be like being around other people, but not necessarily just their mate. Uh, so we, we, we need more variety of other people than we're getting right now. All of a sudden, the way your partner doesn't close the cabinets all the way is a bigger and badder crime. The conference call, or TV, sounds louder than usual. I don't know if it's like that for you, but the little things that maybe you weren't aware of uh, or that people did that didn't really matter too much, when you're confined, they become a big deal. And the thing is, like, it's not even just that type of stuff. Right now, if you are looking for a fight, you will find one. It is easy to find a fight. And this is not just as a result of being in close quarters or having cabin fever. You don't have to look any further than your social media news feed uh, to, to, see it, to see what it's like. I mean, I can't go three or four posts without seeing an argument or uh, an angry debate that is broken out about something related to this pandemic that's going on. The other day I was, I was looking at a friend's feed and uh, I saw, he, he posted something just related to the pandemic, maybe an article, I don't even remember what it was, but um, as I was looking down his feed, he had two friends on there and they didn't know each other, they were just kind of mutual friends with him and they had just kind of these opposing views on what my friend had posted about the pandemic. And they started to get into it with each other. Now, bear, they don't know each other. Bear that in mind. And they just started going into it with each other. And you could see the heat rising, the temperature of this debate, this argument rising, until it reached the point where one of the people literally posts, not to the person they were arguing with anymore, but to my friend. They said, I don't know how you could be friends with someone who thinks like this. And I don't know how you could be friends with someone who believes that, because I couldn't. And I think that that sums up where... A lot of the stuff, the, the fights and the tension that, that we're feeling um, is headed. You, you can see it in the divorce rate in China as people are getting out of their houses. And you can see it in some of the fights and the debates and the arguments that are happening online about stuff. And what's happening is, is these, these passionate arguments are creating separation between people. Whether it's people in homes, people online, people's friendships. It's just creating division. Let me share with you a story of maybe a hypothetical story of two ladies named Ethel and Sally. Now, um, this might be a familiar so story to some of you, and you may see yourself in this, maybe not, but, but Ethel and Sally were church leaders, and they were friends. Um, they were good friends, and they were involved in their local church at high level until the pandemic happened. Now, here's the deal. Ethel believed this. She believed in the pandemic that people should pull together, that they should do exactly what they're instructed and guided to by the government, and that as long as it takes, um, we should stick with this lockdown. As long as it takes, we should stay at home. It's not fun, but Ethel believed that it's better to just take this punch in the face uh, in one big shot so that we can fight this thing and be done with it. Okay, that was kind of Ethel's posture. Now, Sally, I mean, Sally didn't want anybody to get sick either, but her response, but, but she felt like the response to things just didn't make a lot of sense. You know, Sally felt like you can't be on lockdown forever. People got to work. People have jobs. They need paychecks. And, and Sally was looking around at her community and her county, and the cases of the virus were not terribly high in her area. And so, you know, she felt like that she was willing to take these small risks because she needed to pay her bills. And she felt like the risk was low enough that, that you know, we needed to loosen things up because she's like, this isn't living. 
Now, at first, when the pandemic started, Ethel and Sally were completely on the same page, and, and they would post and share similar things on social media. They would post things like, you know, God is in control, uh, and they would both post Bible verses about fear, about how, you know, we can trust God and that he's going to be with us. And, and, and then as things started to kind of go along, as days started to turn into weeks, and as weeks started to turn into a month, um, and then more, Ethel and Sally, they both started sharing posts from, from other people and from other news organizations that kind of expressed their own personal discomforts. And so Ethel was posting um, articles and, and, and comments from people that, that show that this virus really required extreme vigilance and that we need to stay strong to fight it and just really just stay at home. Sally started sharing articles and posts, you know, indicating that she felt like maybe the, the, the cure is, is worse than, than the disease. And then Ethel posted um, a video of of a doctor explaining why stay at home is necessary. And then Sally posted a video of two doctors um, talking about why stay at home was actually going to make us more sick. And and pretty soon they started to post back and forth tagging each other. And, And things maybe were fine a little bit until Ethel kindly commented on one of Sally's posts that she felt like Sally was wrong. And then Sally responded very kindly that, no, she felt like Ethel was wrong. And, and then it kind of went on like this for a day or two. And, and, and they were commenting on each other in a friendly way and then maybe a little bit pointed way. And then all of a sudden, Ethel's friends started posting on Sally's comments. And Sally's friends started posting on Ethel's comments. And things stopped being as friendly. And, and you could start to see people beginning to take sides. And it was all very respectful until it wasn't. You see, because then there was this point where Ethel said everyone should wear masks because if they don't, they're being selfish. And then then Sally said she's refusing to wear a mask because she's not going to allow the rights of American citizens to be trampled on. And then one of Ethel's friends called Sally ignorant. And then one of Sally's friends called Ethel a sheep. And, and now people in the church are... And Terry's... My wife is sitting up in the kitchen table going, oh, I'm stressed. Because now people in their church are starting to take sides and these battle lines are being drawn and, and, and people are unfollowing and unfriending each other on their social media feeds and, and people in the church are, are posting and they're using Bible verses to support their arguments. But what's crazy is they're using the exact same Bible verses to support their arguments, even though their arguments are different and side comments are, are, are happening and, and they're beginning to, to stir up about whether or not can I go to a church that someone who thinks like this and someone who believes this actually goes to? And maybe we should think about going to a different church. Maybe we should think about splitting out of this, this small group because I just don't know if I can be around people who think like this. And so when all this is done, I'm going to have to break off. But until that time comes, you've got each side of this divided church, this divided community, maybe divided families, and they're each going off to their separate corners, and they're waiting for the right opportunity to just toss another bomb over at the other side over this disagreement that they are having. Now, I say that, and you may be like my wife, Terry, who's sitting up at our dining room table, and she's just like, oh, stop talking, because you can feel the stress of this. And maybe you can feel the stress of it because you've been caught in one of these debates, in one of these arguments. Maybe you are passionately one side or the other. Maybe you feel like you've been in the middle and like, you know, you're the baby that they're trying to split. Like, I want custody of this person in my argument. But whatever it is, 
you can see how we got here, right? I mean, you can, you understand this because people hold on passionately to their most closely held ideologies and people will argue passionately about the things that they believe in and they'll fight loudly and they will do crazy things to affirm the things that they believe. Let me give you an example totally unrelated to the pandemic. Um, there, there's a guy who goes to our church. I won't tell you his name, but he's a super cool dude. And uh, he was he just started dating his girlfriend. At this time, he wasn't even a follower of Jesus, but she invited him to church. And so he said he would go. And so he went to church and he had his baseball cap in and he walked into the service. And there was a man in the church who passionately believed that you should not wear a hat inside God's house, that it's disrespectful. It was a deeply held ideology that he had, that it, it's, it dishonors God and it dishonors people when you wear a hat inside the church. Because he held this, this passionate belief, this, this deeply held ideology, he walked up to my friend who didn't know Jesus, who had walked through the door of the church for the very first time, reached up and pulled the hat off of his head. Now I ask you, in what context is it okay to yank the hat off of the head of a grown man that you don't know? And I don't know that there is one. But here's the thing. The guy who did it, he would fight you. He would fight you today that what he did was the right thing. Because if you pressed him on it, he would tell you all the reasons that he was right to do it because he had a deeply held ideology, a deeply held belief that just played itself out in a way in that moment that maybe wasn't helpful. Now, there's a term that, that describes this that I think is applicable to really what's happening uh, with a lot of us today, and that term is friendly fire. It's a military term, and, and it's a term that describes when soldiers who are on the same side of a war um, unintentionally wound or kill one of their own soldiers, one of their own teammates. It's friendly fire. I accidentally shot someone who was on my side. I didn't realize it. I didn't intend to. It was an accident. And extreme feelings on closely held beliefs, they, can, they lead to extreme arguments. And those extreme arguments, they lead to friendly fire. When we fight for what we believe is, is passionate, what we passionately and desperately believe in, an ideology that we hold so, so deeply in our core, believe is so true, when we argue and fight for those things, it can lead to friendly fire. And it always has. It, it did 2,000 years ago. Now, we're in a message series called Cabin Fever because, you know, we ask this question of ourselves. We are on a lockdown. We're in a quarantine. And is there anyone in the New Testament who experienced the same things we did? And, and surprisingly, the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul was, was imprisoned in Caesarea for two years. And then after that, he was moved to Rome where he was under house arrest for another two years. He had, he had a friend who, was, who struggled with an illness and almost died. And so Paul knew what it was like to be social distanced, to be isolated, uh, to be afraid for people who are sick and might be dying, to feel alone, to only be able to communicate through letters. And we have one of those letters that he wrote. And it was a letter to the church at Philippi. It's, it's something in the Bible called the book of Philippians right now. And, and we can see in Philippians, Paul's mindset, what he was thinking while he was under house arrest. We know what Paul felt like and what he was thinking when he was under lockdown, just like us. And so we can get a glimpse into how he dealt with it and what he was thinking about when he was going through it. Now, 2,000 years ago, uh, well, actually, you know what? The names were changed and, and some of the facts had to be filled in. But the story that I just told you about Ethel and Sally 
was a story that was happening in Philippi 2,000 years ago. It's actually a true story. Um, Maybe some of the facts are a little different, but on the whole, it's real. There were two leaders, two women named Euodia and Synchtchi. Oh gosh, I hope I didn't butcher those names, but you know what? They're not alive. They'll be all right. Um, But there were these two women leaders in the church named Euodia and Synchtchi, and they were having a disagreement that was splitting the believers in the Philippian church. We don't know what the argument or the disagreement was about, um, but we know from what Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippian church that this disagreement and the disunity it was causing was undermining the life of the church. And actually, interestingly, from reading what Paul has been saying all throughout his letter to the Philippian church in the book of Philippians, you could say that addressing their dispute was really probably the main reason that he wrote this letter in the first place. Because you can look out um, in what he wrote before he addresses them specifically, and you can see he's talking about unity. He's talking about putting others first. He's talking about humility. He's talking about not having disagreements, not having arguments, not being divided. And you can see in Philippians chapter 4, kind of his closing comments to the Philippian church, he calls out their arguments specifically in Philippians 4.2. He says this. He says, Now I appeal to Euodia and Synchi, Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Everything Paul has been talking about and everything we've been talking about in this message series really has been an appetizer to lay the groundwork for this. This thing that Paul has been easing into, this main course. And before he calls them out by name, in in Philippians chapter 4, he makes a general case for why this kind of disagreement is harmful and how we as followers of Jesus can get through these friendly fire circumstances and friendly fire situations and still hold on to unity. So this is what Paul says and and how he's thinking about and wanting the Philippian church to deal with friendly fire and how he would have us deal with friendly fire as well. And he says this in Philippians 2.14, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people there was one thing that people could criticize Christians for, what would it be? What would one thing, if you had to think of one thing that people could criticize the church and Christians for, what would it be? Well, according to Paul, it's this. Don't do this so that no one can criticize you or criticize Christ. Don't argue with each other. Don't have disunity. Don't Don't find things to complain about with each other. Don't argue. Don't complain. Don't do this. And what's interesting is Paul didn't have the internet at the time, but how much more relevant are these statements that he's giving the church when a majority of our relationships and a majority of our interpersonal communications are lived out online or lived out on social media when when now most of our interpersonal interactions are public? How much more important is Paul's instruction? Don't argue. Don't complain. Don't give people an opportunity to criticize you or to criticize Christ. Paul's saying this to the Philippian church and to us by extension about friendly fire. He's saying, this is undermining you. Okay, the way that you are disagreeing with each other, it's disrupting the work of Christ in your life. It's disrupting the work of Christ in the church, and it's disrupting the work of, of Christ in our world. And if, and if we're inviting people who don't know Jesus 
to drink from this well of, of his love and his grace, then Paul would say this, don't poison the well that you are inviting people who need Jesus to drink out of. Don't argue. Don't complain. Put these things aside. Now, you may be sitting there, and I know that like at this point, this might feel a little finger pointy, right? This might, don't do this. Don't do that. You're doing this. You're doing bad. And you may see yourself in this. And the truth is, is that if you are someone who has been really fighting these fierce debates online, even being told this may put you in a defensive posture where, where you're ready to fight me because, because I'm telling you to stop it. And I want you to hear this, okay, because Paul just doesn't kind of correct them in this passage in talking about how to deal with friendly fire, but he, he gives them a path forward. He gives them a way to avoid the disunity that's so disruptive in their own spiritual lives and in their church and in their relationships. And Paul continues to write this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 15 through 16. It's kind of a, a what to do next. He says, Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Now, right before this, Paul had been talking about the basics of the gospel and the basics of our mission to communicate the gospel. He's saying, let everyone who's spiritually mature agree on these main issues and on these main things. And then he says this, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. So the first thing Paul says is this, let's agree on the key issues of the gospel. Let's agree on the, on the issues of, of communicating Jesus and following Jesus. Let's hold on to those truths and let's agree on them at all costs. But as for everything else, let it go. Now this is, this is a big statement. And this is a statement that I don't know that maybe a lot of Christians really grasp the weight of. Because we want to fight for everything that we desperately and passionately believe in. From the big issues right down to the small issues. To the point where we'll, we're willing to yank a hat off a person's head because we think that it might disrespect God in his house. But Paul's saying this. He's saying the main things are the main things. Let's agree on those things. Let's agree on the gospel and our mission to communicate it. But as for everything else, just let it go. Why? Because it's not your fight. It's God's fight. Stay tight on the message and, message, mess, message and mission of Jesus in our lives. And any other disagreements, let God fix it. Let God fix it. it, it if it doesn't af directly affect your ability to live out the love of Jesus and tell others about him, let God deal with it. Do what you can do and let God do what he can do. Ultimately, here's the thing. I can't change your heart. I probably can't even change your mind. And odds are good that you probably can't change my heart and change my mind because we're Americans. We're dug in. We, we look for information to support the opinions that we already have. We're not looking for information to help us form opinions. You know what I mean? And I think that that is probably true of all of us, except for maybe a very special few of which you probably are and I'm not. But the point that Paul is making is this. To your friends... And the people in your church and the people who love and follow Jesus just like you, who disagree with you on perhaps a political issue, who disagree with you perhaps on a pandemic issue, who disagree with you perhaps on how to raise kids, what to do, what not to do, Paul would say this, if you think they're wrong, let God change their mind. You don't need to worry about it. 
The thing that you need to worry about is making sure that you share your commitment to Jesus and your love of God and your love for them with them. Let God deal with everything else because what matters is that we are living in unity and in agreement. Now I'm going to wrap up here really soon, but I have kind of, I have a way that I think about this and that might be helpful to you. Um, it's just kind of a short little phrase that you can maybe keep in your mind to, to hit yourself with when you're in a situation where you think you might be threatened to like throw some bullets out in the air and, and have some friendly fire. And it's this, turn friendly fire into a friendly fire. Okay, now let me explain. Last night, um, after Cameron's birthday party that we had yesterday, we started a, a fire in our fire pit on our back porch. And we just sat around this fire and a lot, a lot of times we were just quiet. Sometimes we were talking, um, but sitting, there's something about sitting around a campfire with people that is just wonderful. It's warm, um, it's inviting, it's peaceful. You can sit in silence or you can talk, but when you're sitting around a campfire with people, you let your guard down. There's something about sharing a circle of light and warmth with people that invites closeness. And that's the feeling that Jesus evoked in people. He evoked this feeling of closeness that they could let their guard down, a feeling of light and warmth. And as followers of Jesus, that's the feeling that we should evoke in others. See, we need to be people who make others feel like they are sitting around a campfire. And we need to, to, to trade friendly fire for a friendly fire. We need to trade our tendency to throw barbs and to throw spears and to, you know, fire things off at people with our argument so that we can demolish their argument. We need to trade that for a friendly fire where we're inviting people to come in and share closeness and unity with us about the things that really matter. Paul, Paul writes about this in, in Colossians, which interestingly is another letter that he wrote while he was in prison in Rome. And, uh, and Philippians and Colossians share so many of the same key ideas. And he says this in Colossians chapter four, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So ask yourself this, is what I want to say gracious and attractive or does it demean someone or does it demean someone else's closely held ideology and beliefs? Is, is what I'm going to say, is it, the right is it the right response or is it the response that's going to make me feel good? Like I scored some points so that I got one over on somebody else. Is what I want to say friendly fire or is it a friendly fire? Is what I want to say shooting things off into the darkness or is what I want to say inviting someone into the light and the warmth of unity? Now you may be here this morning watching this live stream and, and perhaps you have felt attacked by friendly fire. Maybe you feel like you are on, um, you're on the opposite side of someone who maybe has been attacking or shooting at you. Don't shoot back. Don't shoot back. Let God deal with it. It's his fight. Give God the chance to make it plain to the other person. Trust him. He can do this. Pray for that person in the same way that Paul talks about how he prays for the Philippian church in Philippians chapter one. Ask, ask God to, to give them spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you think someone believes something that is, that is wrong or, or damaging to them or to others, let God do the work. Pray for them. 
but let's not lose the progress that we have made in the gospel and in our mission to make God accessible to everyone. Now, perhaps you may be watching this as well, and maybe the well of Christianity has been poisoned for you by things that you have heard or seen from people in the church. And maybe you're watching this, you're not a church person, a Christian or a Bible person. Um, and yet, even as you hear this, you can see in, in yourself that you have been someone, you, you can see yourself someone who's been affected by these battles, these arguments, the friendly fire that's been thrown around. And, and listen, sometimes as followers of Jesus, sometimes we screw up. Sometimes we don't always get it right. Sometimes we say stupid things. The truth is, is that the, the guy who took off my friend's hat, like, I think that was kind of dumb, but he loved Jesus and he loved people. Sometimes we get it wrong, but Jesus never does. Jesus always gets it right. And, and if you can trust that we are doing our best as we follow him, that we're being made more like him and transformed into his image, uh, you can come and be invited into this warm, the warm light of this friendly fire that God has provided for us and that God has provided for you. And this is where the light and the heat of God's love are warm and welcoming. And the transforming work that God is doing in us, as imperfect as we are, is a transforming work that God wants to do in your life. You are invited to be changed by his love, by his peace, by his grace. That you don't have to be afraid, that you don't have to be angry, but that you can know the peace and the rest that come from a God who cares about you and loves you. This is the unity that God wants for each and every single one of us. And I would just ask that as we live, as we live out this really strange time, that we would live in such a way that honors God in a, in a way that, that doesn't demean others' beliefs or ideologies, but in a way that invites people into the love and the grace of God to get rid of friendly fire and let our lives be a friendly fire. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in me. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every single one of us. And I thank you, God, that everything we are going through right now, that, Lord, that you have seen it before and that you've laid out your heart for us in your word. And I pray, Jesus, that as we, as we attempt to live out our faith in this strange new world, I pray that you would help us that our, our language would be attractive and gracious, whether online or in person. God, that we would be people who are forgiving, that we would be people who are loving, that we would never be people who unintentionally hurt others, but that, God, we would be people who are always welcoming, inviting people into the light and warmth of God's love and to our love. And I pray all this in your awesome and holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.